0: Welcome to the Knot Work Storytelling Podcast. This is the show where we untangle our myths and reweave our stories, one ancient tale at a time. I'm your host, Marisa Gowdy. I'm a word witch, a writing coach, a story healer, and the author of The Sovereignty Knot, A Woman's Way to Freedom, Power, Love, and Magic. Mythology and folklore are medicine for the modern soul. Let's hear today's story and explore why it still matters. Before we dive into this week's episode, I'd like to tell you about Story Weaver Book Coaching. This is support for memoirists, thought leaders, and creative entrepreneurs at the beginning of their writing journey. You've got stories to tell. You feel like you've got a book inside of you. Before you can weave your visions into the chapters and birth this book into the world, you've got a lot of untangling and imagining to do. And that's where I come in. I can help you explore your personal experiences, get clear on your big ideas, and get clarity on what makes your book unique and compelling. I'm here as a sounding board and a thought partner. I'll ask tough questions and also give you a safe space to land. When it's time to start putting words on the page, I can be your trusted first set of eyes, and we can begin to craft your manuscript together. Learn more over at my website, marisagoudy.com. Let's talk and see if Story Weaver Book Coaching might be just what you're looking for. Season 2, Episode 14, Fierce Tenderness, Stories of the Kayak, told by Kate Chadbourne. Our guest, Kate Chadbourne, is a singer, harper, and storyteller. She's an award-winning songwriter and poet, a scholar and teacher of Irish language and folklore with a PhD from Harvard who performs at venues throughout New England. She has been featured in the Gaelic Roots concert series at Boston College, and her music has been featured on National Public Radio. She has released solo CDs, poetry collections, and books to encourage and support artists, musicians, and creators. Her latest book is A November Visit, a gathering of Novemberish stories, poems, and seasonal delights, including Irish folklore, a taste of etymology, recipes, and riddles. Kate is the founder of the Bardic Academy, a school for writers, musicians, singers, and young scholars. This year, she opened the Celtic Wisdom School, which offers online courses that weave together Irish folklore, creativity, and enchantment. If you'd like to learn about Falcha, the Irish art of welcome, Kate has a gift for you. Please visit her at katechadbourne.com to join the Fulcha revolution. I am thrilled to welcome Kate back to her second appearance on Not Work Storytelling. Kate joined us at the very beginning of season one with stories of Bridget. And if you haven't heard those yet, I encourage you to do so the moment this particular episode is finished. In the spirit of Samhain, in this darkening time of the year, Kate is going to bring us stories of the Kalyak, a guide for me for so many years, and I've learned so much about this magical, powerful figure from
1: Kate. So Kate, will you tell us a story? I would love to, and thank you so much for your warm welcome. Thank you for having me back around. I'm really honored to be here, and I love that we begin with Bridget, and here we're sort of coming to a close in the season with the kaila. So the kaila is so many things. Just to begin, so that people who maybe have not heard of the kaila before, I suppose what we might want to say to start is that she is the supernatural, longest living woman, human, because actually there are animals that are older than her in the tradition. And she is a world builder, and she is imagined in medieval poetry to have consorted with kings, and she is known to be still in the landscape today. So she's associated with landscapes all over Ireland, especially the Barra Peninsula in the southwest of Ireland, but also County Mayo, well, really all over, everywhere in Ireland claims her. But the story that I wanted to share today comes from County Mayo, This is a story, now the Kailach is known, as I said, to be the longest lived. And people sort of hear about her and get curious and go on visits to the Kailach. So one day a man in County Mayo decided he was known to be a great walker. He was very proud of his long stride. He was proud of his ability to cover ground. He had a great amount of pride just about his vigor, his resilience and his hail strength. And he heard about the kailuk, that she was a great walker. And he decided that he would set out to find her and invite her on a walk. So he made his way to the foot of Glen Neffen, where the kailuk lived. And she welcomed him in as she would. And he said, would you like to walk with me? And she said, "Well." No. Are you a good walker? And he said, well, he puffed himself up. Of course, I'm a good walker. I'm a very good walker. People around here think I'm the best walker in these parts. And she said, all right, all right. We'll go for a walk then. Why don't we walk tomorrow down to Galway? I have some errands to do. Now, if you think about the geography of Ireland, that is covering quite a lot of ground, miles and miles and miles. And so without missing a beat, he said, all right, I'll I'll go. And she said, be here at the crack of dawn and off we go. So they set out. They set out. And it was a wonderful morning. It was crisp and clear and it was a perfect morning for walking. And do you know those days when you feel like your legs just cover the ground almost as if you're flying? It was exhilarating. And he all the while was saying, look at me, check me out. I am keeping up stride for stride with the Kyla. This is I'm nearly a mythic walker like she is. Well, they made it into Galway before noontime and she did the little Errands that she had to do, and he did a few things. And then it was time to go home. And she said, We better set off for home now. And off they went, covering the miles again until they came to the Korrib River. And when they stood at on the banks of the Korab River, she said, You know, we could we could go the long way around, or we could just cross the river. And he was like, Well, how about we do that? And there was another man standing on the bank of the river with them. And she said, This is how. And she took her walking companion under her oxter, under her, her armpit, she just hoisted him up and she just jumped across the river. And the man on the other side of the river said, hey, what about me? Why didn't you help me? And she turned to him and she said, I can't be helping everyone. And off they went for home. And again, he was feeling a little bit, his, his strength was flagging by this time, but he kept up pace for pace. He made it home. He felt a little bit diminished, but he made it. Now they came to the door of the Kyluck's house, and she said, Have you a wife at home? And he said, Well, I do. I, of course I do. And she said, Does she churn butter? Well, she does. Yes, of course. The Kyluck said, Here's what you will need to do now. Tonight, when you go in, tell your wife to get a firkin of butter and to put it, tone end, the arse end to the fire, and, and put the full firkin leaning out towards you. And you must plunge your feet into that firkin of butter and leave them there all night. And he said, well, that's very strange. And she said, well, if you don't, you'll be dead by morning. And so that's what he did. And in fact, it by the morning, his strength was recovered. And he understood what the kailat had been telling him. So that is to say, if you're going to walk with supernatural ancient women, you'd better be prepared to restore yourself with the fruits of this world. Oh, Kate,
0: there's so much in that little story, isn't there?
1: There is so much. It's a it's I return to it again and again for myself and for Mm -hmm. women, I must say, Mm -hmm. well, for anyone, but really for women. I can't be helping everyone hmm That's the piece that I wrote down, as you wrote it. As- <laughs> and, and, of course, the human female is necessary to restore the vigor and strength of the human man mm-hmm. after he has put himself in the company, this exalted company, right. of the supernatural female, right? right? So here's those echoes of the supernatural and the human and the very earthly butter-making Which could be dismissed as just women's work, right? It's just just a bit of women's activity is actually essential. Yes. And
0: actually that image has occurred over and over again over the last couple of seasons of the show. And I wish I could remember the last line. And it was in one of my stories. Essentially, you should never trust a woman who depends on a man for all of her butter.
1: So true. Right there. Right,
0: and I'll I'll check the notes for which story that was in. But there's been so many cows and so much butter in the stories over the last <laughs> couple of seasons that I admit I've lost track. And not being a farm girl, I do have a, a couple cows I visit a mile down the road. We chat. I, I they do give me some some insight every now and again.
1: I love that, and you know the Kyla in one of her iterations is very much associated with cows. Mm-hmm. She's associated with Dursley Island, right? Off especially Dursey Island, which is you can actually take a little cable car over it over to it. I would really recommend for anyone to do that. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And there she's known as boy or Bui, depending mm-hmm. on where you are. And that word boy is related to the word for cow, bo. Yeah. Right. So she is very much associated with cows. And you know, she's also known as a great herdswoman. That's another one of those stories from Mayo. It shows her as being a person who brings her livestock all over Ireland looking for the best pasturage, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And it says, you know, she has goats and sheep and cows. And so she's she is a, a woman of this earth, right. even though she's a supernatural woman, but she's in, she's interested in the things that we're interested in. Well, in that sense of providing
0: for the herds is also providing for the people, right? That's all just more of her ways of finding true. balance and enacting ways to care for the natural world and all who live upon it.
1: So, so true. I when you think about like the 19th century diet mm-hmm. and how little actual meat people ate. Right. Right. And so butter was known as white meat. Mm. Because it would have been sustaining and a little bit of at least protein in that, right? Like you didn't want to kill your cow. You wanted to just milk your cow, keep it going as long as you could and get the products from the cow. So that essential, anyway, touching the essentials. And I'd say that would be one of our major themes for the Kailach is Mm -hmm. touching the essentials, whether that's like the earth Mm -hmm. or her great longevity Mm -hmm. or also I come back to you again and again. So this poem that's attributed to her, it's probably, you know, it's written in a monastery. Something about maybe the end of the, about 900, we'll say, roughly. And she talks about the essentials of what life should be about in that, Mm -hmm. which I find really moving. And one of the things she says is, more or less, you people nowadays. So anyone who's looking for anything where we can say like, the world has gotten worse. This is a, basically a ninth century poem that is like, back in my day. <laughs> Which people could
0: find as l- the lament of the hag of bear, right? Is that how people could find it? That's if they look the it very up? one. Yeah,
1: You got it. The l- lament of the hag of bear. And where she says, you people really only care about money. Right. And in my day, it was people we loved. Oh, The more things change, the more they stay the same. Yes, that's the one. That's mm-hmm. the one. So that sense of essentialism, whether it is in terms of health, in terms of what the world is, what you really need, Mm -hmm. and the idea, of course, in other stories, that the essentials must be in some way earned or won Mm -hmm. from the Kailach, right? Mm -hmm. So that the story of the Kailach's reaping contest with Donna Mm Hamur tells that story of a human man who hears that the kailah has put out the word that she's going to be holding a reaping contest. And the idea is that anyone who can reap more than the kailah will receive a great reward. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I always flashback. I know, Marissa, you're a great fan of Garojo Krulli, who wrote the book of the kailah. And Garojo is the one who introduced me to the idea that you could look both ways. You could look from the supernatural or the otherworldly And look back and forth to the human. Mm -hmm. So when he introduced me to this story at age 20, many moons ago, he introduced it by talking about the flail as an actual reaping instrument that was very much used all over Ireland in the 19th century and into the 20th century. And he was talking about the flail. And then he told us this story as a way to say there is a mythic resonance to everything. And so, and because that becomes important in this story. So Donna Hamor shows up as many other men do. Many other men try this and they lose their heads mm. because that's the deal. Either basically, mm. it, it's live or die. Here's essentialism again. Right. Either beat me in this contest, meaning win the essentials, win what you need to live, Right. or lose, and you lose big. Mm. You lose your life, right? Mm. And you could... That man who's standing in, really, for the human population against, we could say, the elements more than that, because it's not just the elements, but it's the elements and the essentials of life and life itself, right? Like the struggle to make life happen. Right. Many men lose. Donogha Moore, Big Donald... (laughs) Which makes it funny saying it that way, Big Donald, but Donna Camore <laughs> anyway.
0: <laughs> Let's Sorry. stick with Donna Moore It is 2022 <laughs> in America.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. You're reading my mind, my friend. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I, I, I just... <laughs> so he turns up and she says, okay, you will, we'll do this reaping. She gives him very little, little food, just like thin porridge. He's like starting to waste away. Mm. Out they go the first day. But he's a big strapping man and he trusts his strength. But sure enough, she just really wipes the floor with him. Like she's right. down one furrow and up another before he's even halfway down a furrow. And at the end of the day she says, you know, you have two more days and you're really losing this, just so you know. But of course, the Kilak has a daughter, mm-hmm. right? All the giants of tradition and the Kyluck here has a daughter. And of course she falls in love with Donna Camora, who's big and strapping and handsome and everything. And she sees what's happening. Mm-hmm. And by the second evening, she says, my darling, I want to help you because you're going to lose if I don't. Right. And here's the secret. My mother has an enchanted, a deal, a red chafer beetle in the handle of her flail. Hmm. And that's what gives her flail its enchanted power. So she, and that's what keeps her strength up. So if you can take that out of her flail, you have a chance. And so, of course, that's what he does. He removes the jaragadil from the flail. And then suddenly she's saying, what is happening? It's so hard to reap the harvest. And so she loses the contest and he receives his great reward, which is essentially a harvest for humanity. Mm. Coming back to that, right? Like, I mean, in in human terms, he saves his own head and he receives a, a sheep. Actually, he has to throw the sheep over a wall. I don't think that's very nice for the poor sheep, but he has to do that and he gets to live. But in the broader terms, everyone gets the harvest. Everyone yes. wins again. Right, And it's a, it's a yearly struggle, right? That's the idea here is like there will always be another year and yes. we'll see if Donna Hamor can come out on top again. Right. Right. Because it's not a foregone
0: conclusion that the harvest will be, it never will is. in, that the weather will cooperate as much as things feel like they're on the edge right now in this moment of human history perhaps whether we're thinking about that doomsday clock since the nuclear age or any number of concerns about climate change etc These are not new problems, just in the same way as in that ninth century lament, once upon a time we cared for the people and the community and the earth, and now you're just worried about your riches, which, of course, is a fascinating thing, given that this was written in a monastery that was probably full of golden chalices, at least to the best of their ability.
1: Oh, Oh, for sure. Stuffed full of treasures as much as they could get, right? Yes. That's why the Vikings were like, let's go first to the monastery and loot (laughs) right (laughs) that would be good yes yes the other thing i
0: feel like these stories so well underline is that just fierce tenderness of the kayak that comes in in every story in different ways because of course you know she says do tend to your feet you need to practice Mm -hmm. some self-care to nourish yourself in order to do this very real and difficult business of staying alive And then as much as it's, you're so right, right? It's that black or white, dead or alive, but there's so, there's an entire spectrum of in between that. What kind of care do we need to offer others and ourselves in order to do that work of living?
1: That's the stuff. And I love your phrase, fierce tenderness, because I mean, we could say she's the adversary, but she's the adversary who trains us up to have the resilience and strength we need to be alive, right? Right. There's a a Connacht proverb that says, the hag said, when she was asked about her longevity, and of course, people were always asking about her longevity, wherever she is in these stories. But in one proverb, she says, the top of my head never saw the air, and the soles of my feet never saw the earth. Mm. And she also says, I never ate a bite, but I was starving. And I never stayed in bed after I woke. Now look at all of that, right? Like that's wear a hat. I'm sorry, it's that it's really that prosaic. Right. It's like put a hat on. Don't don't let yourself get too cold. And of course, and take care of your feet, right? Like mm-hmm. another proverb I love, like "Slancha and dinya The person's health is in his feet, hmm. right? And there's the hag saying, look after your feet, right? right? In all these ways. And then also about her kind of the way she ate, which was let yourself get hungry, let yourself be in rhythm Mm -hmm. with your body's natural way, right? And don't lie around, like get busy. And I would say she really does show us like a a model of someone who was busy, Mm -hmm. who was busy building the world, herding the animals, having the dire contest. In all the stories, she's she's not lying around. Mm -hmm. She is busy and active and a builder. Which challenges if so often we equate
0: the kalyak with this later time of women's lives. The crone and the hag and the kalyak are often seen as these synonymous spaces, the wise woman in my languaging, but that deliberately challenges any of those misconceptions we may have that says, oh, well, granny, have your knitting, sit on the porch. Perhaps if you're up to it, you can make a cup of tea and maybe some soup. But meanwhile, the kalyak's like, well... At breakfast time, you know, I created Ireland with stones from my apron. And then at lunch, I went on a walk that took me down most of the west coast of Ireland. And then, you know, before dinner, I just went and I flailed several fields that hundreds of grown men couldn't do on their own. The paradox of that is just so brilliant and life-giving. And perhaps in some ways, well, it takes a little bit of work to consciously embrace her magic and her power to say, oh, this is immensely relevant, even though we're past threshing our own food. And of course, you'd rent a car to get from Mayo to Galway.
1: (laughs) Right. But that sense of bigger, you know, just this morning, Marissa, I read that life expectancy in the US has fallen for the first time. It's fallen for the most steep rate of decline in a two year period since the 1920s and what is it the kylaak has something for us here i'm just saying right. that sense of of vigor and of involvement in life and you know the preventable diseases which they say are are finishing us off at an alarming rate right. and the disaffection one of the causes of this was like drug overdoses right like the kylaak i have to say would not be taking drugs she's just got too much to do mm-hmm. she's She's too interested in life. She's too interested in, in Ireland. And she carries
0: such a sense of community inherent within her. If so many of the, the things that are killing people in America right now are these diseases of isolation and disaffection and that lack of community yes. showing up in our bodies and in our ability to survive, though she's such... no, This is interesting, too. It loops back. Like... She's such a solitary figure in so many ways. Like, there's no Mr. Kalyak. Like, how does she have a, well, actually, maybe correct me if I'm wrong on that, because how does she have daughters? There must be a partner somewhere in there. But the stories that I know best, it's so often a triangle of herself, a man, the, the hero of some sort, And whether it's her daughter or his wife, there's always a triangle of the kayak and the human man and the at least semi-human woman. There's always community baked in, even though she is such that solitary figure, you
1: know, who made the great bluff at the edge of the world. Well, I know I find there's a paradox here and I I'm interested in it too, because the singleness and the self-reliance. Of the Kayla, right? We we think of her as this solitary figure. Of course, there are stories where she's madly in love with Mananan McClear, right? And again, if you if you go to the to the Barra Peninsula, you can actually go to one of the what they call the Hagstones, that is meant to be her in stone form at the edge of the sea, waiting for Mananan to come back. And of course, she's connected as a sovereignty goddess, right? Like so, this idea of a sovereignty goddess. Who has been the consort and the enabler, I suppose, of kings mm-hmm. of leaders? Right. But here's one thing that I find really that I hold on to. There's a proverb, a saying, and it says this: "Our gidor and maidich do." So says as the Kailach of gidor in Donegal says to the kayla of Mayo, the person who is good to you. You'll be good to him. So to me, when I came upon that proverb, I was so excited because the image of that long-lived or ancient woman in her aloneness mm. can be kind of daunting. And you think, is that where I'm going? Is that how it works? Yeah. Right. And yet, friendship, there's friendship and even collegiality right. between between the Donegal and the Mayo Kylax. Yes. And When we talk about the Kailuk, we call her the Mm -hmm. Kailuk, Mm -hmm. you know, like she's the Kailuk. And yet that proverb gives me the sense that there is the possibility of kind of community of Kailuk. Yes. I'm calling it in something I'm working on. I'm calling it the Kailuk conspiracy. Mm. Oh, I like that. The Kailuk conspiracy. Like, let's be all in on it. Let's be our... So you get to be fierce and self-reliant and powerful and strong, but you don't have to be alone. Mm. You don't have to be without community. Yes, You have the animals, you have the land, but you also have your sister, Kailach. Yes. Well, you know, I actually baked exactly that into
0: a story I told earlier this season about Mona, who is a that with, with the cow that was you know, coveted by the Lord's men and that they came up and they said, give us the cow, give us the cow. Eventually, as the original story goes, it was a footnote in Imich Nekramgevah, It was one single footnote in that Oceanic Society manuscript from the 19th century. But in it, there's that story of how eventually they covet the cow so much that they end up killing both Mona and the beautiful animal. But there was this, it was like a footnote on a footnote that calls back to another kayak who had been in a similar situation. And so I then imagined, well, I said, wait a minute, we're not gonna kill off my heroine here. This is not how this is gonna happen. Good for you. you. know. So we have the tradition of shape-shifting. There's a, there was pieces of the story. I encourage people to go back to that episode of Old Woman Atop the Hill. But it gave me that permission to call exactly on that conspiracy of Kalyox because what would she do in a moment of greatest need? She would call to mm. her supernatural sisters who had shape-shifted in the past in order to survive. Yes. And spoiler alert, she turns into a fox and the, and the the cow turns into a hare and they're able to run off into the hill because of course, where else would the she go but back into the hills?
1: I love that. And I love a score, especially that she would, yes, go into the hills, but also that shape-shifting mm. nature of the Kailach, right? Like, I mean, back to that poem that we were talking about, The Lament of the Kailach Theater, you know, here she's imagined by a male monastic as a right. nun. And of course, the reason she's imagined as a nun is the word "cailleach" in modern Irish and, and medieval Irish meant hag. Again, I don't really like that word, but also a right. nun. And now sometimes an old lady. Because right. there's ve- the veiled one is part of the word in there, too. Right? The veil. That's right. So pallium is is a cognate to kaila, Pallium, the Latin for veil. So I like I like the idea that you can't really kill her, which is a right. great thing. And back again, too, there is also another tradition that the Kailach has sisters. Mm-hmm. That is a tradition from the southwest that there's three of them, and of course that's harkens back to many of the triple mm-hmm. goddesses, of course. And that actually at one point, well, again, who which one is the right. Kailach? But the Kailach is faces hard times, and her sister. Gives her an island, Hmm. like to live on. So she's again, she's not without resources. And just like your story, she can shape shift into something Mm -hmm. new. Right. Whether that be a mountain or a hill or a a stone by the sea or a fox. Yes. Yes. Off she goes. And she's back here. And I really believe, and we both believe, and in your work, you really bring this out so beautifully that we contain. All of these archetypes. Mm-hmm. We contain the Kailak. Our culture, as we've both discussed, really says it's a big no-no <laughs> to actually bring out the Kailak because of course agreeable and submissive women are much preferred. <laughs> and the Kailak is is not having any of that. She is living where she wants on her terms, the way she wants mm-hmm. to. So she offers us, I think, you know, all of that sense of being a, a prodigious yes. walker, of being in the company of animals of thinking carefully about where your food mm. comes from. Mm. All of that kind of stuff roots us and grounds us. Yes. And taking no guff either and not giving stuff away so easily, not giving ourselves away. Right. hmm
0: Right, and what does it truly mean to be in relationship? It's about that sense of reciprocity, just as that proverb you offered us before. It's that sense of, it is that give and take and that awareness of we are all intended to be in this together. The knot is not supposed to be utterly lopsided. It's an infinity knot that keeps going back and forth betwixt and between all of
1: us. Mm. For sure, for sure. You know, I think some of the folklore that when we when we use that word kailach, it appears if like let's not have the capital T-H-E, mm-hmm. if we just say like an old lady or a hag, right? Like the association of the Kailach with the harvest and and back around to shape shifting, the idea of the old woman who becomes mm-hmm. a hare, right? And steals mm-hmm. the milk or steals the harvest or steals the butter, all this this anxiety culturally that the old woman will take more than her mm-hmm. fair share when i was uh, first met the kailak in garage o'cruley's classroom and it knocked mm-hmm. me sideways and i was catapulted into mythic imagination everywhere i went you know it was like you know how that is and it's it's a thrilling mm-hmm. adventure to be on at the same time i got dumped <laughs> i was My boyfriend back in the States, I called him from the phone box. This is back Mm -hmm. in the old days when there were phone boxes (laughs) in Ireland. I called him and he dumped me over the phone and I was heartbroken. And I went to Bantry in my heartbreak and stayed in the youth hostel there. And I went just like the Kailuk, although I didn't know at the time. I didn't know that she was a prodigious Mm -hmm. walker then, but I walked all day (sighs) through the rain, you know, like in the most... Beautiful, romantic, self-indulgent. Oh, I know that medicine. Walking through the rain, yes. you know. Ah, I am the romantic heroine. And, uh, bereft. <laughs> I'm <the> bereft <laughs> of in my own story. And it's kind of beautiful and it's kind of yep. painful and all of that. And I'm walking all day and I come back into the harbor of Bantry and I go into this little hotel and I sit by the fire and this nice waitress comes over and she's going to bring me tea. And this ancient... Woman comes in, literally bent double, walking with a stick. And she looks at me and she goes, You out of that chair. Seriously. I was ejected from the prime spot by the fire. There was nobody else in the dining room. And without a word of protest, I just got up because it was like she commanded that woman. And the waitress came over and said, Would you like a scone, ma'am? And she said, What good would one scone do anyone? (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget it. And she sat there and she proceeded to put away because I was watching her, of course, surreptitiously. She put away, I don't know, three or four scones and a big pot of scalding tea. And she got up and without paying, she left. (laughs) And I thought, I've met her. her. I've met her. And I know where I stand relative to her, which is I'm like a little flippity gibbet, you know, like just a, a wisp in the wind. And I hope someday I will have that presence and that command and that self-respect yes. that she had. And there's where yes. we're going, yes. all of us. I
0: am here to get my due. Yes, indeed. Right. Hey, and yeah. she saw you. You had two good, strong legs. You'd walked in the rain all day. You could walk over to that hard chair over there a bit further from the fire. You, you were You certainly
1: grand. could. You, you won't die. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It wasn't cruel. It was just the way things should be. Yes, there is
0: there is a divine alignment of a certain kind. And sometimes it does seem a bit fierce, but in its own way, look what she gave you, that yes. gift of story. You know, if there had been a, a little yes. old lady who sat in the corner and had a, a dry scone and a cold
1: cup of coffee, it wouldn't have helped to form you at all. Not at all. Not at all. So that flintiness, mm. yes. I admire it. I admire it. And increasingly, and there are moments even, I mean, certainly in dealing with myself, but sometimes even Mm -hmm. with a student to be able to say, there's Mm -hmm. more in you, go get it. Right. And that's
0: sometimes feels a bit out of fashion because and i find this this keeps occurring to me as we're speaking like oh but we live in this age where we're supposed to stop the glorification of busy and we're we're recognizing that we've been working Mm. too hard and we're all at breaking point but of course that is for we're working for exactly the thing that kayak stands against which is the capitalist money machine that says, you know, produce more, produce more for the sake of endless progress.
1: Yes.
0: You're not as exhausted when you're in reciprocity. The Quechua term from Peru would be Aini. And that idea of being in balance mm. with the earth itself. I, mean, I suppose last time when you and I spoke, we talked about Ficha fucha and the ways in which we're interwoven. Yes. But I'm wondering if there's what the word for reciprocity might be in the Irish.
1: Well, you know, there's a whole mm. tradition, of uh, Core, a core, which means like when everyone pitches ah. in on the harvest. Right. And people in in English, they would say coring, coring, like to be coring is to be mm. pitching in, is to one of the things that I found so moving when Garoach introduced us to that that idea of the flail was the idea that a neighborhood would share the right. implements. So like there's no good in everybody having. A lawnmower. Imagine, like yes. in my neighborhood, if we said, "Well, just one person has a lawnmower, okay, but somebody else has a you know a a hedge trimmer right. or whatever," and and we're going to just share them. Like, why should we all have to buy them? Let's we're all rising yes. together. Yes, that's the idea. There is it. Let's let's all help each other mm-hmm. rise together. That and I would say that is one of the fundamental ideas of that is implanted so deeply in the Irish yes. psyche, which is we all must rise together we all need to play our our part and it's a collective it's, it's it is not you are of course you are valued as a as a single as a single right. Kyla but you are also in a conspiracy in yes. a collective you are coring yes. together to create life this resonates
0: so strongly with what you and I were just speak before we started recording I was telling you that last night I was in a session with skullskircha the Irish language culture and community class and they had Mare Nuwini who's from Guizor, who you mentioned in one of the proverbs yes but someone asked her what her perspective on and of course this she's probably in her 60s or 70s she know you know she sat at the knee of of folks from yes. that early days of you know of Donegal music And someone asked her what her perspective on the Irish language was. And, you know, as much as we're there to celebrate, we're so excited. We're all learning it again. She said, well, I am concerned in the sense that it's really, what's lost is the perspective and the psyche that comes with the Irish language and that sense of what kind of way of living upon, I'm putting some words in her mouth, but that way of living upon the earth Mm. that's preserved in the language, in the same way as coring, as understanding that it is about, now in some cities in the US, we have tool libraries where you can do that exact very thing, right? Love that. And so there are ways in small pockets that we're starting to put that into action as a sign of, of preservation as a way of saying, wait, we don't need all these things, but the sense that that really is Mm -hmm. just another way of enacting an indigenous wisdom that I think we're hungry for, but this so easily lost in the sense of like, well, we have meetings at noon and we gotta make sure we gotta rush and I gotta, gotta buy the Halloween costumes for the kids and blah, blah, blah. Wait, the kayak would just kind of like, here's a turnip, I don't know, put it on your head. You should be wearing a hat anyway. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I like that. Well, you know, I so agree with everything you've just said. We are hungry for that and we do, we do enact this mm-hmm. in small ways. Just recently, I'm teaching a class on Irish religious folklore and we were looking at concepts of of heaven, hell and purgatory and we were trying to get at what is the essential? What are the cardinal virtues and the cardinal sins? And what we came to really is that the cardinal sin is ignoring the humanity mm-hmm. of other people. In, however mm-hmm. that comes up, right? So many stories of essentially, of whether that's pride or ingratitude, definitely. People mm-hmm. go to hell for ingratitude. Mm-hmm. I find that amazing. Um, priests even, <laughs> or at least purgatory. Certainly stinginess and a lack mm-hmm. of generosity, right? Right. That idea, like the, the three things that can't be taught failure, failure, agasku, poetry, mm-hmm. failure, mm-hmm. generosity, and voice. I believe actually, I don't actually believe that proverb, and that's rare for me to say, because I feel like we bring this yes. out in each other. I feel like I have learned so many of my best ways of being by observing people and saying, I love the way she's doing that. I, I love. Who she's, enacted, mm. who she's being, and and I love the right. example there. And so these folktales where you see the hard-hearted woman turning away the woman, it's snowing, which is a funny thing, but anyway, it's snowing in this story, and the servant girl says, I'll work for free for a week if you let her stay mm. overnight. And the hard-hearted woman is so pleased that she says, great, bonus, right. I'll take it. And that happens three days, three days in a row, until finally on the third day there's enough sun that the the poor woman of the roads can go back out onto the roads, and of course the hard-hearted woman dies. And strange to say, not so long after she dies, there are reports that there is a strange eel in the neighborhood, which is coming to to eat from the pig slops. How weird is that? And so finally, a priest is able to speak with her and say, "What is this? Why?" who are you? And she explains, I am this woman and I turned away a beggar beggar woman I would have, but for my servant girl. And for my punishment, I was turned into an eel and told to eat pig slops because I was so haughty and so ungrateful and so ungenerous. And the priest says, what could save you? And the hard-hearted woman says, the only thing that could save me is my servant girl who has three beds reserved mm. for her in heaven. That I could cry, Marissa. That is so oh, beautiful me too. to me. Yes,
0: yes. And
1: she says, if she would give up one of her beds, I would have a place to live in heaven. And so the servant girl, I know we both like crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just gets me so much because it's, we've all been all of the characters in this story.
0: Yes. I have.
1: Yes. Right. And here the servant girl who really talk about a heroine. She says, I will, of course, give my bed to this woman and the other two beds are for my mother and father and i will try to live in a way that i can earn another bed for myself oh i know we're both we're both weeping but it's so You're beautiful right. isn't it yeah. talk about reciprocity mm. and about remembering what matters right and a, and right. remembering the collective of like that woman on the roads deserves consideration right she deserves right. kindness and our hearts are the better for giving it. Mm. Yes, and we we win paradise right now. Right, right. it's not always the later; it's now. Right, right. the the right. immigrants who have gone through so much, we win paradise. We bring them in. You know, some cities are doing so well in welcoming immigrants, people traveling, people. It's the same right. thing. Nadine Shul, bringing yeah. them in and saying you have a place here and then yes. in they come and there's this freshness and life that is brought into a place. Yes. So it's it's not just about later, it's about now. <sighs> and the future, of course. Right. And that's of course why the tears come,
0: right? There's that sense of saying there's something so ancient that touches us in that. Wow, she this this one serving girl was so had such a beautiful soul that it was in fact in triplicate. So that's both yes. that Christian Trinity and it's the triple goddess. So that gets us there. And then yes. there's that moment of, oh, well, it's not like that anymore. It's too easy to think that for those of us who live in comfort and privilege to say, well, no one's gonna come knock on my door. Anymore. that's not how it works any longer. But of course, mm. that's a blindness to the reality of saying for Americans in particular, as well as in Ireland where they're taking in so many folks from, from Ukraine, That it is happening constantly, that sense of the
1: migrant, the refugee, always at the door. For sure. And the truth Mm. is people are knocking on our doors every day in figurative ways as well as literal ways, right? Yes. The moment where we can give them shelter through our words, through our noticing of them, Mm. through our affirmation, Mm. those two are ways that we actually become the servant girl. You know, yeah. I, I love to think it's uh, in terms of songs to be a great singer is to be called the servant of the song.
0: Mm-hmm. And in a
1: way to be a great liver of life is to be a servant of life. Yes. Right. To be that one who, it be, the opposite, of course, is the pride, is the mm-hmm. bishop who says the, the robber should walk behind him because he's a much better person on the way into heaven. And then when, of course, they get into heaven and God says, you don't really belong here if, if that's what you're thinking. You know, so we can open the door all the time, all of us. That's and this this idea, even that the the hard-hearted woman, as she's eating the pig slops in the form of an eel, just think about all that. (laughs) But that there's still hope that we save each other.
0: Mm. Right. We walk each other home.
1: Yes, we do.
0: Mm. We do. Mm. That is probably the perfect place to land, but... But there's always a coda, especially when you and I are talking. As, you know, I didn't know what story you were going to tell today. So I was like, oh, it's a walking story. I have so many of that. That experience you had as a 20-year-old in Ireland, I was in Galway rather than Cork. And I, my friends stopped going on Maurice's forced marches. They just, after a while, they just said, it's just not what we're going to, is not how we spend a day. You don't need to cover 12 miles of country road. Oh. But, and I, I this, I really harkens back to the ways in which we've been talking about Kaliak, who has this association with the elder woman, with that wise woman, Bonfassa, toward the end yes. of life being. And yet we've been weaving in the ways in which she's part of our lives at every point, and we get to be all yes. of the archetypes. And of course, in my work, it was the Princess, Queen and Wise Woman. And of course, you helped me edit my book to get it into the world. But there's a story that I've been, wor- a personal story I've been working on for years. And I've had the phrase and I've tried to write the essay over and over again. And it was this really kind of statement to my daughters that said, your mama used to walk fast. And it Mm. was that awareness of when I was both Princess and Kaliak in one, in Ireland, in being Mm. that brave adventurer, being solitary by choice and by chance. I had my heart broken as well at Mm -hmm. 20. Our stories have their own echoes that once I had to you know, take on that role of mother and of queen, I, my, my pace was slowed. And I've never really mm. known what to do with that essay because I was aware of the fact like there's a there's a bit of a resentment in there. There's that sense of having to work through. There's just the, the truth of what does it mean to have been able to go on your own power, to move mm. quickly and with freedom, and then to recognize, oh, and perhaps the phrase for this is that burden of care that says yes. we're gonna stop because your shoe is untied because you're tired, because you need a snack. And also because there's a ladybug on that blade of grass and because we need to catch all of the sycamore leaves as they fall. And I still don't necessarily have a next step for this piece of writing other than to say, there's so much wisdom contained both in that sense of being a good walker and the power that's contained in that and that Mm -hmm. sense of like, I wanna be a good walker again. As my children get older, as saying that's something I can aim for moving forward as I get into my you know, further decades, there's that sense of reclaiming and finding for the first time. And I guess it's that sense of both being defined by and not defined by the power of my own stride and the sense that it mm. can be Changeable and it can be something to keep working with and playing with
1: I love that I love that I I know that story is going to be marvelous as it evolves and it makes me think it makes me think two things one that I think it's interesting that you and I in our first conversation talked about Bridget and here we're talking about the Kyla and that both Bridget and the Kailach have an association with birth mm. and young things right. right? especially the kailach more with animals but taking an interest in the young mm. and of course and renewal yeah right and covering ground and also a lot of times in the folk tales when someone is is described as having children there's a word that when we say like murdered more so he had he had a large family a large like the murdered is is like a a burden actually mm. and it's mm. the children so it's acknowledged there right. i mean nobody of course irish people probably love children well i won't say more than any other country but right. there's such a deep love of children mm-hmm. in irish culture a, such a a cherishing of and yet i find i'm i'm always i'm in the dictionary because i am so interested in the echoes of words and, and the the implications of words. And so when you look at that word, especially used in the Donegal tales, it more or less acknowledges that you are held down to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You are, there is a certain weight right. from having that. Mm-hmm. And then, and of course, back around to our friend, the Kailuk, right? When she's carrying the, the rocks in her apron yes. as she's, although sometimes she does throw them at other Kylucks. that's another <laughs> folk tale right. but... <laughs> that she's going to set them down eventually. Mm. She doesn't bring the rocks with her mm. when she walks to Galway. Right. You know, she she sets herself up for a great day of walking. So that's the next chapter. It's like this chapter of the ewes coming into lamb. and and mm. that chapter is not her walking, but the next chapter is her coming back to the prodigious walking and the freedom to travel as she as she chooses. Yes. And to see what's the best for her. Where where will she end up? Where does she love it? Right.
0: And her hands are free to help her companion across the river when necessary. Of course, I... Side note, I lived on the River Korib, which was the fastest running river in all of Europe in any city. So I think that he never knew that it, it's a
1: fact. I didn't know only, it was the fastest. Only wow.
0: a Carab village girl could give you that particular fact. I, I learned it from that. Desmond, who used to drive us to uh, in the tour bus out to uh, the Burren. Oh. He, he let all the Korib village girls go for free.
1: Love that, Desmond. Come on.
0: <laughs> oh, he was a prince. He was a prince. But of course, yeah, she set down that that burden of creation, those the rocks that made the world yes. in order to go on her own way and her own path and then to offer what care she could on her terms when it was the right thing to do. Like, all right, I'll gather you under my oxter and take you over and then we'll yes. I'll set you down and you have your own good feet, just as you learned in Bantry, to then go on in your own way.
1: And let's keep walking.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Kate, I want to walk with you forever. This is why I'm so grateful that we have remained connected over the decades. That now that you're teaching my daughter to sing and you're helping me hold her, I'll stand outside the doorway and I'll just hear the laughter from these two. (laughs) And, you know, it's that sense of like, has she been, she hasn't sung in a bit, but you know, that's, that's only a small part of why my daughter Moira gets to have Kate in her life. And it's that sense of Uh saying, there's something you're holding that when I'm downstairs cooking dinner and doing too many other things, I need to go to another Kalyak, to another sister to help hold my own
1: daughter and her becoming in that unique way that you have. I love that. I love that. Mm. Glad to be that Kalyak very much. Yes. And thank you so, so much. I have enjoyed this immensely. Thank you. Here's to our all of the walks, all of the walks ahead of us.
0: All of the walks.
1: And who knows what
0: story you'll tell in season three, because certainly we shall do this again. I would love it. In the meantime, can you tell our work Storytelling listeners how to find you and keep
1: traveling with you and all the magic you've mixed up these days? Oh, thank you for asking. KateChadbourne.com. So C-H-A-D-B-O-U-R-N-E katechadbourne.com. And if you're interested, I have a new little gift and it's called FALCHA, Pract- How to Practice the Art of Irish Welcome. Mm. I'm passionate about FALCHA, which means welcome. And there's a, a little present on my website. If you go in and see that on the first page, you can download that for free.
0: Oh, Excellent. Excellent. And seeing as this show is coming out right at the very end of October, there's that other wonderful gift you've created in November,
1: help me with the name of it. November. Oh, a November visit. Yes. A November visit, which is a book of, uh, it's definitely, there's a lot of Irish folklore woven in, but it's stories and poems and a recipe and uh, proverbs and all kinds of things that I think of as Novemberish, which to me is the kind of, the Kylogh is sort of the presiding spirit of that book mm. she's in there in a couple of poems and a few stories and actually I have a, a story called meeting the hag which is about what we talked about today yes. and that kind of stoniness and essentialism mm. that we sort of even as we're sort of a little bit afraid of her we really need her and yeah. we we know that yeah so she's there it's somehow
0: easier to get warm by the fire once you've felt the coldest bit of the stone
1: so true mm-hmm. so true oh
0: well kate thank you again and words can barely express thank you for taking us into this journey into the ineffable into the earth and into the essential
1: thank you very much my pleasure
0: Thank you for listening to Knotwork Storytelling. Please subscribe and review the show on your favorite podcast platform and do share this episode with other lovers of myth and story. By the way, everyone is a lover of myth and story, even if they've forgotten. You can find out more about my writing, my book, my courses, and how to work with me as a coach, as well as my online community, The Heroine's Knot, at marisagoudy.com. Follow the show on Instagram, at NotWorkPodcast, and join our listeners group on Facebook. Gratefully, I live, write, work, and record this podcast on the ancestral lands of the Muncie Lenape tribe, whose name means original people. Remember, ancient stories are medicine for our modern maladies, and your stories can help heal the past, anchor us into the present, and create a more beautiful, sustainable future.